0: And amen. If you missed the first couple of weeks, the first week I talked about if we're really going to be the kind of men God wants us to be uh, in the new year, in the new decade, uh, and really for the rest of our lives, uh, we need to develop the idea of faithfulness. We need to be faithful. We just need to show up. We need to be there. And uh, then the second week I talked about uh, another key is that if we are going to be the kind of men that God wants us to be, we're going to have to learn to serve other people and a lot of times we want to be served, but we're gonna have to learn to serve other people. Last week when I was on the mountain, uh, Justin led in here and talked about the reality of it is we need community. Uh, As men, we need community. We need other men uh, around us to encourage us. Two are better than one. Uh, The idea of one falls down, man, he needs someone to pick him up, and we talked about that a lot up on the mountain uh, this last week. And uh, this week, I I want to talk to us about another word. You might want to just write this word down. Real maturity. Real maturity. When we are truly mature. And the the truth is, uh, I've met over the years um, a a lot of people uh, who they are old but not mature. Anybody know anybody like that? Just point at them right now. (laughs) Most immature. Yeah, I see a lot of people. You know, we just grow up. But I'm not just talking about physically, I'm talking about spiritually. There are a lot of men that go to church for a long time, but they're still spiritually immature. They haven't grown up. In other words, there is a big difference when it comes spiritually. There's a big difference between growing old and growing up. How many of you know what I'm talking about? There's a huge difference between growing old and growing up. And we wanna be the kind of men that grow up in our faith, that we become uh, men that others can look to. We can become the kind of men that our wives can look to and our kids can look to and our grandkids can look to. And so that's what we're gonna talk about today. Here's what it says, Uh, if you just pull up dictionary.com, when you look up the word maturity, uh, it, it says the state or quality of being fully grown, developed, perfect. Fully grown, developed, or perfect. Uh, One of the illustrations, it it uses the idea of. And so let me give you kind of a quick uh, idea before we move on, and we're going to jump to James here in a second. Uh, Here's an idea. Self-evaluation, are you spiritually mature enough for God to use you as much as he wants to? Am I spiritually mature enough to be used by God as much as he wants to? Now, guys, I, I want to just stop down here for a second and, and, and just let you know that uh, a lot of times uh, we, we falsely grade spiritual maturity based on the way someone looks. You know, boy, they know how to look like they go to church. They know how to dress like they go to church. I want you to know spiritual maturity is not appearance. Uh, it's not what someone looks like. Some of the most spiritually mature people I've ever met don't dress well for church. And what I mean by that is sarcastic. You know, they don't know how to put on the suit. They don't know how to put on the tie. They'll never put on a suit. They'll never put on the tie. It's not an appearance. But can we be spiritually mature enough to be used by God as much as you want? Let me just tell you another thing. I do know some guys that I consider spiritually mature because of the humility they walk with under God and their willingness to serve God, and they've still got some issues. Matter of fact, I've never met a perfect dude in my life. I'm not one. But sometimes some of the most spiritually mature guys that are growing most in their faith, they still have some struggles that they lean with, lean on and that, are, that they drag along with them. You know, maybe it's an addiction in your life or some struggle or some issue in your life. That doesn't keep you from being spiritually mature because spiritual maturity is just about every day becoming more and more what God wants you to be. And so if you're sitting here and go, Man, I, Pastor, if, if you only knew about this sin in my life. Remember David? David was a man after God's own heart. But he still had Bathsheba. Bathsheba. And and guys, there are times that we need to say, you know what, that is a part of my past. That is who I am. But it's, it's who I was, but it's not who I am. So guys, as we think about being spiritually mature, I want you to know when I talk about spiritual maturity today, there is no one in this room that should say, because of my past, I can't get there. If that's where you think in your mind, you don't understand the grace of God. God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That God didn't wait for us to fix ourselves up, to get the remodel done, to get the sin out of our lives, to clean out our closet, to clean up our garages. God didn't wait for all that stuff before he sent his son. So guys, as we move into this idea of being spiritually mature, I want you to set aside any thought in your mind that might be there that you think, there is no way I can ever get there. You know, a lot of times we have this preformed idea in our mind um, that spiritual maturity is, uh, I can think back growing up in church. How many of us think back growing up in church, some of the men that were around us, and you, know, and, and you think, oh no, that must be the perfect man. Well, now that I'm moving more and more towards his, uh, towards his age, I realize he probably wasn't a perfect man, right? And, and as we think about it, spiritual maturity doesn't have anything to do with your age. I've known known a lot of men who have been in church for a long time and they are not spiritually mature. They've just been in church a long time. It's not your age. It's not your appearance. I know some people that haven't been in church that long but when you talk to them and see them and you see God moving in their life, I'm like, man, they they are on the right path. Uh, It's not your appearance. It's not how you dress, it's not how you look, it's, it's not that you walk in and you go, that's a spiritually mature man. Spiritual maturity, I think, has a lot to do with just what kind of character are we developing day by day? What kind of character are we developing day by day? And as we make the journey through life, um, you know, do we have the character that God wants to use? Uh, Being spiritually mature is not just about me having Bible knowledge. That I'm competent. That I can win the Bible trivia game. So if you think you're way, way, way behind the eight ball, and uh, if I told you right now, if I called someone out right now, and I said, hey, stand up and read Habakkuk chapter 2. And if you were sitting, how many of you would be scared to death because it would take you about an hour to find Habakkuk? The person who can find it doesn't necessarily mean that they're spiritual. That just means they can find Habakkuk. So a lot of times we think, well, I don't quite have the Bible knowledge yet. I don't have... See, spiritual maturity, I think, has a lot more to do with character and being willing to serve God than the amount of knowledge that you have about God. Now, I'm not anti-knowledge. I've got two master's degrees and a PhD degree, and I still don't know enough, and that's the way I always feel. All right, that's the way I always feel, and that's the way you should always feel. But... There is no mark where you say, I have to know this, 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 and this before I can become spiritually mature because spiritual maturity has more to do with my character than my competence. It has more to do with who I am than what I know. There are a lot of men who have been around church a long time and they can sit there and give you a lot of good biblical answers, but to apply it in their life, you don't see it. So God, I, I, guys, I just want to lift the lid today and let everybody know in this room if you are in the faith and you 're in the walk, spiritual maturity and spiritual growth is attainable for you. There is nothing stand, standing between you and what God wants you to be. If you go down and you look um, as you think about the ideas of you know it 's not about my age it 's not about my appearance um, when they selected the first uh, deacons or when Paul gave um, gave the idea of selecting deacons let me just let me just read this for you and we're, y'all stay in James cuz i'm going to get there here in a second uh, but here's what it says when Paul was talking to Timothy about choosing deacons he says in the same way this is 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 8, verse 8 he says in the same way deacons that word deacon simply means servant simply means servants are to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the depths of the truth of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested. And then if there is nothing held against them currently, let them serve as deacons. See, those are all present tense issues. Uh, notice what it says in the same way these deacons I didn't go through all, they they must now be worthy of respect that does, that word doesn't mean perfect it just means are they at a place where when you watch them in their life and their conversation and their relationship, relationships are they admirable do they live well notice this next thing are to be worthy of respect sincere in other words are they at a place right now when you're in a conversation with them you can tell you can trust them to tell you the truth You can trust them to tell you the truth. Then if you look at the next one, not indulging in much wine. Now, I want you to hear me. That doesn't say they've never indulged in much wine. It's currently, presently. And when you look at all these folks in the New Testament, these are relatively new saints. You know, a lot of times in in the church that I grew up with, I I don't know about you, here, here was the identity of the deacon. They wore a suit that was too big, with sleeves that were too long, and a tie that was too short. That was apparently the qualification for a deacon. How many of y'all grew up in that church? All right. I mean, you can probably think of deacon, and you can put a name to it. All right. If he's in the room, don't point. But that was kind of the idea. Oh, that's what a deacon looks like. And I want you to know, as you look in the New Testament, go all the way back to the New Testament, even before this, go back to Acts chapter 6. And Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit falls. Two thousand are saved, then thousands more get saved. The Church of God begins to spread, and then all of a sudden, the overwhelming need of the widows begins to be so overwhelming for the elders and the teachers and the pastors in those days, and the disciples that they say, "Hey, elect some deacons." Well, guess what? Some of those deacons had just gotten saved back in Acts chapter two, Acts chapter six. All of a sudden, they're a deacon. What does that mean? They had a past, right? They had a past, but their current present situation and their direction was one that pointed towards where God wants them to be. So when we think about maturity, I don't want you to think, well, maybe in 15 years I'll be mature enough for God to use me. Now, in 15 years you should be more spiritually mature than you are today, but God can start using you right now if you'll just get on the right path and begin to move in the right direction. So as we think about this, uh, I love what um, you've heard me share this a a number of times. One of my favorite guys that came out of um, the sales world, the financial sales world, institutional uh, investing, Uh, Zig Ziglar, I always uh, quote Zig Ziglar a lot and some of the other guys that they would send us to these sales seminars, but um, Zig Ziglar always had a phrase that said, your attitude will determine your altitude. I think that's the way it is in your walk in the faith as well. What kind of attitude do you have? Man, is it one that God, I just want to be humble before you? Now, an attitude he's talking about is not an arrogant one, it's a humble one. I want to be served by, I I want to be used by you, God, I want to be uh, used in such a way that others will be drawn to the faith, and that is true spiritual maturity. So, as we come to James, and we think about this idea, I want to break down this idea of spiritual maturity. And uh, there is no one test for it, all right? But let me kind of give you five markers of someone who is truly spiritually mature, and they're going to come from the book of James. And uh, the book of James, James, written by James, the brother of Jesus, uh, in these five chapters in the book of James, really James talks about practical living. That is the number one thing that James talks about. And in each one of these chapters, he gives us one focus, and you may never have seen these. Now, there are other things that he talks about, but he gives us one focus. And so we're going to look at one focus from chapter 1, one focus from chapter 2, and all of these will be five markers. Now, uh, if you're like me, even preparing for this, you can think of, okay, I'm pretty good in that. Okay, I, that was a good reminder. i got to watch this. Does that make sense? That's what I did when I was studying through this. So here's, here's test number one. Let me give you, if you want to call them, five markers, five questions, five tests of spiritual maturity uh, from, uh, from the book of James. Maybe you could say these are characteristics from each chapter of the book of James. Here's characteristic number one. Someone who is spiritually mature stays positive in the midst of problems. Stays positive when they have problems. And as you look at James chapter 1, it's all about problems. It's all about when I go through a problem, going to go through a trial, what do I do? I need to ask God for wisdom. God, here is a problem. If you want to look at it here, if you want to put on a verse right next to it, look at it, put James chapter 1, verse 2 to 4. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, problems of many kinds, Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Then let perseverance finish its work so that you would be mature, there's that word, and complete. Not lacking anything. Let me ask you a question. When you journey through trials or when you go through trials, uh, do you see them as the testing ground for your faith? Do you grow through them? do you step back and say why am i in the midst of the trial my guess is everybody in this room can uh can uh at least most most people in this room can uh, can identify with the conversation with your kid uh when they got in trouble at school or when they did this or did that and their first answer as your teenager is to blame the teacher or blame somebody else's kid right And as a dad, you step back and say, I understand, they may have done that, but what did you do? See, the mark of maturity is not what someone else does, it's controlling what I do, right? Because I can't walk around controlling someone else and what they say and what they do, I can control what I do. And that's the mark of maturity. When we get under pressure, do we step back and say, Man, is this just one of those seasons in life? Because we live in a sinful and difficult world. And sometimes guys do just do a great job at the office, and they walk in, and they were right-sized or downsized or laid off. It happens. The company's failing. The company's falling. Years ago, we had Nortel and that whole telecom corridor. They were our biggest employers here in our church. Boy, you roll through 2008, it seemed like a third of our body, our church family, was out of work. A lot of times they were doing a great job, just the company failed, and they fell apart. And so sometimes we go through pressures that has nothing to do, and, and problems that has nothing to do with us. Sometimes it has everything to do with us. The question is, do we learn from them? Do we stay positive in tr- when problems show up? Do we stay positive when trials show up? Do we walk through our trials with a grumpiness? almost a gratitude that it couldn't be worse. And so guys, that's thought number one. Let me ask you, if you want to be spiritually mature, if you want to be mature, how do you handle trials in your life? Let me read what James said again. Jump down to verse 12. He says, blessed is the man, blessed is the man, James chapter 1 verse 12, who perseveres under trials because when he has stood the test He will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. So guys, thought number one on grading your spiritual maturity is not how I look. It's not how old I am. It's my attitude in the midst of trials. Can I stay positive in the midst of trials? Or do I, as soon as a trial show up, blame God and say, God, how could you let this happen to me? Here's characteristic number two, and now we're going to turn to James chapter 2. If you're going to be mature, because this whole book is about maturity, a mature man or a mature person will be sensitive to other people. A mature man or a a mature person will be sensitive to other people. Now, take the reverse of that. Um, I had four kids. I didn't ever have to teach any one of the four to be selfish. Anybody had to train your kids in being selfish? You know, my kids, it's like they learned to say mama and mine the same day. Am I the only one that had those kids or is that just my wife's problem, right? I mean, like mama, I was throwing a daddy in there, I showed up at some point in this whole process, right? But they, they say we're selfish. A mark of maturity is as we age, we become more and more unselfish. And when we become more and more unselfish, that means the word others, other people, their needs becomes more important to me. As you sit there right now, let me ask you a question. How much have you spent, how much time have you spent in the last week or two weeks or years or several years thinking about what others need instead of what you need? That's a pretty good barometer on how how mature I am. Uh, Think about your last five times in church or 10 times in church or 20 times in church. Did you walk into church saying, I hope they sing the songs I like. I hope I can find my parking space. I hope I can sit where I wanna sit. I hope they don't turn it up too loud for me. I hope the pastor doesn't preach too long. You know, the old definition is no one's ever heard a bad 15 minute sermon, right? Uh, When you walk through the church, how much do you think about serving others? You walk in here, you got young kids. Do you walk in and say, boy, the children's ministry better be ready today. They better take care of my kid. How many times do I say, I, my, I, my, I, my? I will tell you, if that's your approach in church and in God's house, you're not spiritually mature yet. If all you do is walk in and thinking about me, my, Instead of thinking about others. What does James say as we uh, think about that uh, sensitive to other people? Here's what he says in James chapter 2. Pick it up reading in verse 1. He says, my brothers and sisters, uh, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, you must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes in and you him wearing gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man comes in in filthy clothes and old clothes and also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and says here is your good seat for you but to the poor man you stand there and you say hey sit here on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated against someone? You've looked at someone's appearance and you've graded the fact that they are not as good as you are or someone else. They're thinking about me among yourselves. Um, you have become judges even with evil thoughts he says listen my dear brothers and sisters as he reads on this verse 5 he says has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith man I will tell you as a pastor now 25 years I've seen some of the most some of the happiest most generous most kind people who from a worldly perspective have zilch Maybe, the, maybe the, the course, they have a blue-collar job, or they have that, maybe they didn't have an education all the way back in high school, but they just lived a life of gloriously serving God, and they got nothing. And we have a tendency to want to put that person off to the side and elevate someone else, or we have a tendency to look at that person and elevate ourselves. Because I know how to dress nicer, and I buy nicer clothes and stuff. Man, the reality is, we are looking out for others. Now, if you jump down, and in, we're, in, we're in James chapter 2. If you jump all the way down to verse 8, here's what James says. If you really keep the royal law that is found in scriptures, you will love your neighbor as yourself and do what is right. What's he saying? You're going to walk around thinking about others, right? I'm going to think about others. When you think about that, how many times? Uh, I remember the story. Somebody might might remember the story better. I I didn't get a chance to look through it. But years ago, uh, William Booth, uh, who he he was the founder of the Salvation Army. And he was supposed to come and speak at the Salvation Army, you know, the annual convention or whatever. And somehow he got tied up. Uh, Maybe someone can fill in the gaps on this story. Somehow he got tied up, wasn't able to get there, wasn't able to speak. And so all he did was send a telegram message of his annual Salvation Army convention speech to everybody. The telegram speech that they read had one word. Anybody know this story? What was the word? Others. When they gathered everybody together and they said, our founder, president, sent us his annual speech. That's one word. Others. He was saying, let's remind ourselves that as the Salvation Army, we are about others. You know, as children of God, once we have come to faith and grace, it's about other people, right? And I will tell you, if you want to get out of your doldrums and your problems and your struggles, the more you'll focus on someone else, the better you will feel, period. One of the the great, um, I just finished my book on suicide, so now it's with the publisher. And one of the keys I touch on in there and one that I see over and over again is kids who look at their phone and look at the likes and look at their Facebook and look at their social media become more and more and more depressed. Why? Because they're thinking about their likes compared to someone else instead of thinking about others. So, second mark of spiritual maturity is how much do you think about others? Um, If you jump a little further in James chapter 2, he says, James chapter 2, verse 14 to 16, says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have any deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes or daily food. If one of you says, go in peace, keep warm, and be well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? What is he saying? If I see someone who is hurting, I need to go meet that need, right? That's others. That's the idea of connecting with someone else. So as we think about the second key marker, how often when you walk into church or you walk through you know, Starbucks or walk through the office today, will you think about others first? Here's number three, another mark of maturity, and uh, this is a stinger, guys, and it's from James chapter three. Someone who is truly spiritually mature knows how to master their mouth. And now when I say master the mouth, I'm not talking about just telling an off-color joke or something like that. Or or a joke that's uh, uh, just in such a way um, not spiritual. I'm talking about the tongue. A spiritually mature person walks around controlling their tongue, not just lighting people up. I'll tell you, after 25 years of ministry, I've known some people that have been in the church for a long, long time, and every time they open their mouth, I still cringe because I'm wondering who in this room are they about to blow up? And let me tell you what, in general, uh, when it comes to ministry capacity, as you look at someone and as we talk about someone who moves up to a higher and higher level, if someone cannot control their tongue, they have no future. They'll burn down everything they build. And it's that way outside the church, too. It's that way in your office. It's that way in your home. You can can carry your wife all the roses you want to. But if every time she turns around, you pop her with your tongue, you've just destroyed it all. You're going to be buying a lot of makeup gifts. A spiritually mature person, man, they control their mouth. Here's what James says. Look at it, James 3, verse 2. He says, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone is faithful in what he says, that's the mature man. That's the perfect man. Perhaps you could sum all of these down is the mature person is one that knows how to control her tongue. And he says, if you can be careful, if you can do it, you're the perfect man able to keep his whole body in check. If a man can figure out how to control his tongue, he can figure out how to control his whole body. If you jump down uh, and continue to read, he says, he gives some examples. He says, we put bits in the mouths of horses to make their whole body obey us so we can turn the animal around. Or take ships, for example. He says, although they are so large, they are driven by strong winds, they are steered by such a small rudder as the pilot moves them. Then he jumps down, verse 5. Likewise, the tongue is a small body part, but it makes great boast. Consider what great forests have been set on fire by a small spark. Then he jumps down a little further, and he said, man, the tongue is like a snake. It's got poisonous venom, and you can't trust it. As you, as you think about that, let me ask you a question. How well do you control your tongue? How well do you control your tongue in your marriage and with your kids and with those you work with and those you're around? How well do you control your tongue? Do you have a constant, con- someone just doesn't do the exact right thing uh, when you are uh, ordering dinner that you lash out, out at them with your tongue? When your wife or someone you love, they don't do the exact right thing, do you hold your tongue or do you, you deliver a set of poison? Guys, that may be one of the biggest keys in a word. I love what, uh, um, what James says down in verse 11. He says, Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? We all want to say yes, don't we? Well, that wasn't my heart. Let me tell you what. If mean stuff constantly comes out of your mouth, you're mean. It's just who you are. Man, if, if, if you walk around and you just, every time you're around your bride, it's like you're dragging her across crushed glass. You don't love her. Now, you might love her, but you're certainly not demonstrating love. Because James says, a mean-spirited tongue is a reflection of a mean-spirited heart. Now, now, that's a challenge, guys. And this is one of those I wanted to skip just to have four qualifications for maturity. Because I've got a solid tongue. I mean, I've got, I've got a quick wit, and one of my spiritual gifts is sarcasm. That's not in the Bible, by the way. But it's salty, and this just showed up. James, my oldest son, was over for the for the Super Bowl party, and I was out on the grill, and he he had his girlfriend uh, over there, Taylor, and uh, uh, he was. Uh, he was talking to her, and I could say, say, I'll just tell you what he said, and it's not a bad word, it's, it's an interesting word. Is they've been working out together, and she's gotten sore. That wasn't what she was doing. And uh, she didn't want to go work out that day uh, because she was sore. And he looked at her and said, Quit being a wussy. Okay, that's the kind of thing we say in our house all the time. That's not the kind of thing she was used to hearing. And she went, Well, he was totally kidding. You know, he was totally kidding. And um, so, uh, I I just kind of eased in and I said, hey, by the way, that's my side of the family and I want to apologize to you for it. And Gina was there and she was washing broccoli we were gonna put on the grill and she goes, well, it wasn't my side of the family. And I said, that's enough, wussy. So, uh, you know, the reality of it is we've got to be careful. You know, so we kind of came around and made a joke of it and stuff. But we've got to tame our tongue. Because especially in church, let me tell you what. If in church you walk in there and you sing about I love Jesus and you study about I love Jesus and you talk in your life about how much you love Jesus and then you spend the rest of the time on campus burning someone up because someone didn't open the door for you and the coffee's bad, I'm just going to tell you right now, open the door yourself and that's bad coffee always don't come with a different expectation. Does that make sense? So we want to watch what comes out of our mouth. And we're going to stop there because it is seven, but let me, let me give you another one if you just want to write this down. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Paul said, Do not let any negative talk or an unwholesome word come out of your mouths, but only such a word that is helpful for building up of others according to their Need. Remember what I just said. Others was to talking. It all comes down to when I talk. Spiritual mature. Spiritual mature talk is about building others up. And so, as we make our journey today, I want to encourage you. Think about just those three key characteristics. We'll come back next week with number four and number five. And so if you want to read through chapter four and chapter five of James, you can guess uh, what the next two characteristics are. But that's enough. Boy, if we were to tame our tongue, if we were just to watch our tongue, if we were to think more about others this week, and finally, if we would just say, all right, if I'm in one of those pressure seasons, how can I do well and learn what I need to learn? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Uh, God, my prayer is for these guys as we think about in a new year and a new decade rebranding ourselves. And we looked at just the idea of being faithful and showing up the first week and serving the second week and Justin talking about the importance of community last week and now us thinking about maturity. God, I just pray that every man in this room would walk out of here with a sense that they can become spiritually mature in 2020. And they can be used mightily by a gracious and merciful God this year and the decade to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.